And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey there. Welcome back. It's Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer. We're back with another episode of 1% Better. And man, we have been busy lately. And we got a little bit of a little bit of a different approach today. I think it's going to be a treat for you. Uh, so we've we've obviously hit you with a lot of Carson Wentz stuff, uh, both here audio wise and and in our stories and our coverage of the Colts. Um, so you're gonna get a little more today. And we have with us Zach Berman, who is uh, one of our great Philadelphia writers uh, from the Athletic, who does a great job there covering the Eagles. Uh, really admire what those guys do up there uh, covering that team. And Zach's been kind enough to to join us today. And I think this is going to be productive. Um, Zach, first of all, thanks for, for jumping on. Uh, I know you've also been busy. Anything going on? <laughs> Absolutely. Thrilled to be on here. Uh, and similar to what you guys are going through, uh, Try except <laughs> we don't know who's going to play quarterback for the Eagles, and we're trying to get to know our head coach. So it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit different in that regard, but processing a trade that's not yet official is, is essentially what we're dealing with. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So, Zach, I'll start with with something that's been on my mind. Um, If you could just kind of give us your thoughts on this. Um, There's been a lot said about Carson the person lately and and how he did or didn't handle whatever happened in the past year. Uh, You know, I guess from the day even Jalen Hurts was drafted and maybe even before that. I I don't know. But I, I think this things get so convoluted in these situations and you know, things get reported and they take on a life of their own. And I have no freaking clue what is true. <laughs> if if you were just talking just to the average Colts fan who hears all of this, what would you tell them to make of it? And what do you make of it? Yeah, so I, I would say that Carson, first off, he's he's not a bad guy. That I, I think that can get uh, misconstrued, lost in translation like this. He's he's not a bad guy in the in the in the locker room whatsoever. Uh, I will start with that. I, I I will say, and and you guys aren't guilty of this, but I'm talking kind of about the media at large. Sometimes is is like we we paint these these guys out to be one dimensional, right? When 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 really it's it's very seldom like black or white. You know, it, he's he's a he's he's a three dimensional person who just like us like he he has his shortcomings he has things that he needs to work on uh and i think it it was happening under uh a lot of scrutiny which 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 comes with the position but also under conditions that were difficult to foresee first off uh getting hurt during an mvp season seeing his backup quarterback who has a considerably different personality than him win the super bowl Right. So for a competitive person, you can imagine the way that will deal with you. Uh, 
And, and, and then there's a statue erected outside the stadium of that backup quarterback who remains in the locker room, who the city loves, right? Uh, so Carson's this competitive guy, and as much as he can say, he's, he's happy for Nick Foles. He's, he's happy for the Eagles. Like that, There was that shadow that was always present. Then, then Carson gets hurt again. The Eagles um, sit him, right, uh, at the end of the 2018 season. They want him to get healthy. And Nick Foles goes on this run again. And the Eagles win a playoff game uh, with his backup quarterback. And then all of a sudden, Nick Foles leaves. They give Carson Wentz his contract. And uh, so that that shadow's no longer there. But these, these mammoth expectations are there. And... Then the Eagles draft the quarterback in the second round, and and look, we can disagree, or I can disagree with with the way that might have affected Carson. But the bottom line is is uh, is I I think there were situations that that um, that were complicated for him, and that like anyone uh, in any workplace, he had to navigate. Now, as as far as his personality in the locker room. He made an effort to uh, to for, for more outreach, so to speak, to get to know different uh, guys. But but he's not he's not this like charismatic, get to know everybody type of person. And the reality is, when he got there in 2016, 2017, he didn't have to be. They had these established veterans in the locker room who were your leaders. Malcolm Jenkins was a leader in 2017. Chris Long was a leader. They had guys like Jason Kelsey. I, I mean, that wasn't Carson. That wasn't the expectation of Carson. The expectation of Carson was just to play quarterback. And I think that kind of evolved over time. And there were things expected of him that, that maybe totally didn't fit his personality. And that's kind of what he needs to work on. So a quick summation there would would be that he's he's not a bad guy, but there are things he absolutely needs to work on in the locker room. Zach, I want to ask you about the last year, because I think a year ago today, you would have never envisioned the situation that they're in, correct? I mean, Philadelphia would have never pictured a situation where they're trading away Carson Wentz, right? I would have been absolutely stunned. And it, it, yeah, like if, if you said we'd be talking without Doug Peterson as the head coach and Carson yeah. Wentz as the quarterback, I, it, I couldn't have believed it. Yeah. And, and Nick Sirianni is the head coach, right? Um, exactly. Who? So let me get your take on this as this season unfolded and Carson's play became a problem and everything else that was going around it. When did you start to think this is broken? Like this relationship. And then they fired Peterson. So a lot of people would assume they're going to give Carson another chance with a new coach. When did it start to fall apart in your eyes? And when was it not to a point where it could be reconciled? Yeah, that's, that's something I'm still trying to piece together as, as far as when it started to fall apart, I, I, I would say mid October approaching the bye week when you realize this wasn't just a string of bad games. Like he was bad. He was playing as poorly as I had ever seen, obviously, because uh, he never played like that in his first four years, but it was, it was week to week. Things weren't getting better. And it was one of those things where he kept saying he takes responsibility for it, but he was never changing anything out there. Um, and you could just sense from, uh, and again, we weren't in the locker room every day. That, that's the difference this year compared to past years, but, right. but you could see something was off. And then there was this, this, uh, this crescendo building of, are they going to bench him? And the thought of benching him was, was, 
I I could never have fathomed that. And once you bench him, then you're opening up the possibility that that this could that this could get bad. And that's when the last month of the season, you really saw it start to deteriorate. Uh, you know, when they fired Doug, I was under the misperception that the idea would be to fix Carson. Um, but because uh, Roseman and I mean Jeffrey Lurie are very fond of Carson, at least publicly, correct? Yeah. Correct. And and I, I I would tell you that like this is not the type of trade that they made where like like victory laps around the facility, slapping hands. This was made almost with with resignation. Like they're not happy that they had to make this trade. Hmm. Could there be on some level um, legitimacy to the thought that they made a mistake here by trading him? <laughs> I mean, is is that a crazy thought? Well, yes and no. It's 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 abs- like I I think that they're I'll, I'll put it this way. There is a far better chance in my opinion of Carson Wentz being a franchise quarterback elsewhere than the Eagles finding a quarterback in the Niners hmm. who plays to Carson Wentz's level. So in that sense, if you have a guy who's a franchise quarterback and he's under contract, you can argue do everything you can to make it work. But there's also the 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 argument that would it ever have worked in Philly? Like he did not want to be here, right? So uh, if you're in a marriage and and like the and one of the you know and, and and your spouse doesn't want to be in the marriage as much as as you want to make it work, like it it takes two there. He did not want to be here, and I I know you can't say that players can dictate what happens, but he wasn't just any player. He's the franchise quarterback, right? And and so. I, I think a lot of that had to do with with could was there too much baggage in Philly that you just couldn't put the toothpaste back in the tube? So two questions. You covered him at his best and his worst. Mm-hmm. And we've watched some tape, but that's not the same thing as watching it every Sunday. When he's at his best, what kind of quarterback is he? What does he do well? And then this is the million dollar question, right? Why couldn't he fix it this year? And what were some of the mechanical slash issues that you could see that you could tell? Just he thinks he weren't he weren't figuring out and things he he wasn't doing this year that he was doing earlier in his career. Yeah. Uh, so when when he's at his best, he can play the position as as well as almost anyone in the, in in the league in terms of like the physical ability and the mental processing. He's he's uh he can improvise very well. Uh, he has, he has an arm to make as many throws as, as you could want. Um, he, he's a smart guy who knows what's going on at the line of scrimmage. Um, he can do so much like 2017. He was, he was special then. Uh, that being it, it said, was, it wasn't just the team around him. Like he was, he oh, was yeah. special. Yes, he was special. He was special. Now, the coaching was good. Like the play calling was great that year. The offensive line was great that year. Uh, the players around him were making plays. But he was special. Um, that being said, the flip side to that is like Carson's not the kind of guy who is going to function in the offense. He has to be the offense, if that makes sense, right? Like, um, you know, and I, I personally think that was what that was one of the differentiators between like Carson and 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 Nick Foles. Like Nick Foles wanted to be the point guard, you know. Uh, Carson, like he 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 wants to be the Allen Iverson, if you will. Like like he's the offense is built around him, um, and he wants control at the line of scrimmage. There are 
plays that he likes. There are plays that he doesn't like. And, and, and that's, I mean, I, I mean, that's, that's Carson. And I, I, I think that's part of what you take from, from having a talent like that. The flip side to that is, is when it, it's not working, it, it, it can get ugly. Um, because, uh, the turn, the charge of him being stubborn, I think that's where it comes from. Like if, if, if he's not fixing it, if, if, if he's not just functioning within the offense, if he's trying to do too much, if he's forcing throws, uh, the other part of it is, is this year when the offensive line, there was a, there was a different offensive lineman every week, basically. Uh, you know, I, I think his, his, his eyes were down at times and, and that was a problem. And he was just turning over the ball at a, at a rate that, that is bad. And you know, that is unacceptable. And he was, he was missing, he was missing receivers. Um, and, and you could say some of that comes with trust. You can say some of that comes with timing, but, uh, I think this side, like this past year was the polar opposite of what you saw in 2017. And I would just say quickly that he's, if he never gave, if 2017 is the ceiling and 2020 is the floor, I think what he was for most of 2018, 2019 is still like in the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL. That's a great segue because because that was something that I I wanted to ask you about. So I I mean obviously I can only watch so much film right in a matter of days, but I I you know tried to go back and like watch spots from the past two seasons and 2019 that's where I started. I, it didn't look that bad. Like I was I watched it thinking this is totally acceptable, and if you plug this type of quarterback into this Colts lineup. I like that team, um, you know, with with obviously some some ups and downs, right? But 2020 was what it was. But um, but if we can go back to 2019, you know, which was the last like normal season <laughs> that he had, I mean, is my view? Do you share that view, or or what did you make of it? Well, 2019 was probably a little too inconsistent. I mean, yeah. there was a stretch in November when he played poorly. He had a home game against Seattle when. He was he was not good out there, but then you know he had a, a real bad loss in 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 New Orleans. But he turned it on in December and he carried the team to the playoffs. Like then and that was the narrative. If if you look at who was playing wide receiver with him in 2019, uh, it was it was guys they were signing off the street in December, and the Eagles were able to win because Carson Wentz raise the level of play of those around him. And I think that's why there was so much optimism going into the offseason because of the way he finished last year. Uh, and and that obviously, uh, and that disintegrated this past season. Now, I, I think one thing you really need to look at uh, are the changes to the coaching staff, right? And losing mm-hmm. Frank Reich, I think, was significant. And I I, I think, and, and this probably goes back to one of the earlier questions, but I, I do think the organization enabled him in a certain respect where where everything was about Carson. And so how how does he take coaching? How does he take hard coaching? Um, is it the type of thing where he has too much power and he can dictate uh, he, he can dictate too much in, in the organization? That's a legitimate question and, and, and that might have surfaced this year as, as far as uh, you know, how well he was taking to the coaching. Uh, but I, I also think that's where being reunited with Frank Reich will be particularly helpful. I want to get the temperature of the city in Philly after this move. It's been a week or two. And I wonder from your end, 
is there some consternation that this kid's going to get it figured out? Frank Reich's going to save him. And if they do, like, how does Philly feel about that in two to three years? Like, is there is there a big worry that, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Philly reveres Frank Reich. And if, if Carson can return to maybe a top 10 quarterback in the league, how's Philly going to swallow that in two or three years? And that's a big if, but I'm just curious yeah. where they're at right now. Meaning the fan base or the organization? Well, both. Yeah. So, so the fan base, uh, it's did the it's fans, did they there. want him gone or did they want him saved? You know, there's a faction of fans who, who loved Carson. Um, and then there's a faction of fans who like, they saw what happened in, in 2020 and it was ugly. And also, you know, if, if, if you don't want to be somewhere it, it, like, like Philadelphia is a very parochial city as it is. Um, if there's someone who, who doesn't want to be in Philly anymore, uh, you know, there's, there's probably fans who might take that personally, but ultimately it, it, it comes down to performance and, and, and lasting impressions can linger. But if, if he turns it around in Indianapolis, then yeah, then there will certainly be uh, probably some remorse, especially if the Eagles are, are going through quarterbacks here. Um, as far as the organization, I, I, I think they realized this was a move that they needed to make because of the unknown, right? Like, like the contract is something they really need to consider. And uh, if, if Carson continued playing like this, or if Carson got hurt, it would, the, the financial implications would, would be so significant that they would kind of just be the idea of, of rebuilding this, this roster uh, would, wouldn't, would not work if, if you have a bad quarterback making that much money. So I, I think they looked at it like, all right, let's, let's take our medicine now and, and reset. But that and eat is that only applicable. enormous cap charge. I mean, enormous. Exactly. And, but, but just eating it this year and then you are out of the contract in the future. That sounds good in theory, but it will only work for them if they find a quarterback. And, and, and like I said, if I had to bet, I would bet on Carson Wentz being better than what the Eagles are, are, are going to put out there next season. You know, well, speaking of the Eagles and, you know, current quarterbacks or finding a quarterback, I mean, what I'm curious about is I, I really think, I think, or I assume the selection of Jalen Hurts is a big factor in all of this. Like, I wonder in this regard, like, first of all, I wonder from your perspective, uh, in the city's perspective, just how surprising the selection was last year. And then secondly, what role his presence played on some level yeah. because if you if he's not there you don't have an option right if he's not sure. there maybe you're not even trading Carson Wentz you don't have you don't have a fallback plan um, wh- where where does that do you think pl- or how does that play in all of this just going back to the selection of Jalen Hurst specifically and what role did it you know sort of play going forward do you think yeah, so I I, th- I think it had a had a big role. It had a bigger role than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. I mean, my feeling was that uh, when they well, I'll start by saying I was surprised by the pick. I expected them to to draft a quarterback. I did not think it would happen in the second round. Right. Um, now, so and obviously, I don't think Carson expected that either. Uh, and I also didn't think though that that this was going to create a quarterback controversy because from where I was sitting. They paid Carson $128 million. They let the Super Bowl MVP leave. The, everything they had done for the past five years had been about Carson. 
Like if you were going to be undone by taking a second round pick, uh, by taking a quarterback in the second round, what does that say about you? Uh, hmm. And I was I was wrong. Now again, I don't why I can't speak for Carson here, and everything he said publicly has been diplomatic. Um, but uh, from things you've heard behind the scenes, that that pick had an effect, and 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 whether it was the way he thought the organization looked at him, whether it was the way he thought the locker room looked at him, um, that's the fascinating component of it the human element that perhaps the eagles underrated or didn't take into account and that i certainly didn't give enough credit for uh but the reality is this and i know it's not an apples to apples comparison but the the packers take love in the first round and aaron Rodgers goes off and he wins the mvp right the the patriots a few years ago take uh, take jimmy garoppolo in the second round and and tom brady you know still goes on and wins super bowls uh no one is calling for Jalen Hurts if Carson Wentz isn't playing the or if, if Carson Wentz didn't play the way he did last year. So right. I think that it would it's too convenient to use that as an excuse. And and like I said a, a moment ago, if it affected Carson that much, I think that speaks more to Carson than it does to the organization. Yep. I Zach, I talked to some quote unquote quarterback experts earlier this week, among them Jordan Palmer, and say what you want about his career, but he knows the position well. Sure. He's trained some of the most talented guys in the league, Watson, Mahomes, et cetera. And he was like, Look, man, I hope Carson reads this story because this is a confidence thing. And I felt like that was a little too simple. But I want to get your take on that. And, and it, you know, the the common thread around here, it seems to be this is just above his neck, right? That's it's between his ears. It's, it's all in the head. Do you buy that? And with a better offensive line and, and maybe more talent around him and a good defense and, and a head coach you trust, is it that simple? Or is it? Or is there more to it than that from what you can tell from the outside with Carson? Yeah, so look, I, I think that it, that has a, a lot of validity. Now, there are physical parts of this that you you can't disregard. He tore his ACL in 2017. Now, he's not the only quarterback to do that, but he had a, a, a bad back injury in 2018. Uh, he had a concussion in 2019, right? Uh, he, he, he broke a rib in 2016, his rookie year. If you go back to 2015 when he was in college, he missed time with a broken wrist. Um, uh, this is a guy who's who's been injured a lot too. Um, so there 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 might be physical parts of it. And and when you're as athletically gifted as he is, you know if 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 you're a a fraction slower or a, you know if your back affects you this way, uh, and and the other part of it too is is that you're also one major injury away from that being more of a concern. So there are physical things that you can account for. But in terms of the performance slipping, I, I do think that was more mental, maybe some some fundamental lapses, but nothing that that I and I'm not a quarterback expert. You spoke to the quarterback ex, the quarterback experts, but I would agree with with what they said. Uh, nothing that that can't be rectified. And certainly if, if there's any situation in the league, like short of being on the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid's offense with that talent where. I, I think Carson Wentz can be fixed. It's working with Frank Reich because the relationship they had, uh, that cannot be overstated. And I, I would say for whatever um, criticism there was of Press Taylor during the past few years in, in, in Philly, some of it merited, some of it overstated, uh, Press Taylor and Carson were also 
extraordinarily close. So, so, so to have the two coaches that he was most comfortable with during his time in Philly in Indianapolis, I think that can be beneficial for him. Man, they do not like Press Taylor in Philadelphia. <laughs> I wrote about him a couple of weeks ago, and I heard from Phillies fans. Yeah, the, and and look, I mean, the offense regressed when Carson was here, or, or I'm sorry, when Press uh, took on more prominence. Carson regressed when Press took more on more prominence. But that being said, like I, I and this is no disrespect to my readers, I don't think a, a, a lot of Philly fans like could identify Press Taylor, uh, in, you know, if, if, mm. if, if they ran into him. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, so it's the type of thing where it becomes a convenient scapegoat, but um, you know, the quarterbacks coach slash passing game specialist, it, I, I don't think the Eagles struggled because Press Taylor was in that role. Now I, I, I do think that what Frank Reich and John D. Filippo had in 2017 with Doug Peterson working with Carson Wentz, that really worked. And I don't think the Eagles were able to replicate that. And I, and I, I think that Carson's status grew to the point that maybe he wasn't accepting coaching the way he was back then. Cause that staff, they coached him hard and, and the results showed, but I, I don't, and the, the results weren't there when press was the quarterback's coach. Uh, but I don't think it was because of press per se. Hey, Zach, you've been really uh, gracious with your time, so I'll, I'll let you go on this one. Um, one quick question on a different topic. Um, Nick Sirianni, who, who we, we actually really like, I mean, personally, like Nick's great to deal with. We've talked about him, you and I. Uh, how has he been perceived? I think I have some sense. How has he been perceived just, you know, generally? Uh, clearly, he's, a, he's an unknown commodity for people in Philadelphia. And then secondly, what – what type of job does he have in front of him? I mean, he's got a lot to deal with yeah. there right now. This is a tough time to be taking over uh, with the yeah. Eagles. Absolutely. So, uh, so I, I I would say first off, people don't really know him, right? And and he he wasn't one of these these uh, hot offensive coordinator names like your Eric Bieniemy or or Arthur Smith, who like people were discussing as a potential head coach for the Eagles at the start of the search. Uh, number one. The, the the Colts, even though they've been successful, uh, it's 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 not the type of offense that like everyone in Philly knows about. Number two and number three, the introductory press conference uh, did not go as 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 well as probably Nick wanted and as the Eagles wanted. And that's was brutal, the, man. That yeah. was brutal. <laughs> and that was it, the yeah. impression. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that was the impression so far that fans have have had of him. And and the team has kept him under wraps since then. Right. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think that there is ground to make up for Nick. Now, ultimately, you're not going to win or lose games based on that. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a lot for people to know. And he walked into a tough situation. The quarterback situation had had not been determined yet. Uh, he he really didn't know how to answer questions about Carson there. And and I I think I I think that was I, I think if he had to do it over again, he would he would probably approach that differently. Uh, but I, I also think there that that's going to be long forgotten once he's out there more, people get to know him more, but this is going to be a tough job. This is a team that is, that's rebuilding. There's, um, there's going to be a lot of roster turnover, uh, and you know, there's, there's a change in scheme here. So, so there's a lot that, that, that he must put in place, but if, if he can find a quarterback 
um, and the front office can start nailing draft picks, uh, it won't be long for it to, for him to have an opportunity to turn it around. I just don't. I, I mean, this isn't the type of job where he's coming in expected to win next season. Right. Gotcha. Man, this has been great. Uh, exactly what I was hoping for, Zach. So, so really, really many thanks uh, for coming on. And uh, yeah, I think our readers, our listeners, excuse me, will be smarter for having had you. So, um, yeah, you've been through a lot up there. So, thanks for for sharing and commiserating. We'll keep bugging you next season as uh, as as everything gets started. No problem. I enjoyed. I I love reading your guys' stuff. Thanks for having me on. Hey, have a good one. Thanks. You too. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, so, yeah, so Zach, I I think that was great, number one. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Kiefer. Um, and so what's your big takeaway from there? I, I'll tell you, for me, I, I think it was that, you know, that, that, that Carson uh, – I think the, the, the relationships, obviously, with the coaches they have, number one, and, and I think him not wanting to be there, just I, I think we knew that, but like that was a, that was really, I think, the, the point of no return for them, too. Um, but I don't know. What was your big takeaway there? A couple of things. The, the personality question you asked really stood out because yeah. I love getting a beat writer's perspective because they're the ones that are there every day, right? And you see stuff in the locker room, and it was harder this year without the locker room access, but... Like and and a, just for the listeners' sake, a lot of those things, I, you're exactly right, a lot of those things are things that are hard to get across in writing a lot of times, you know? Those, right. They're not things that we can really convey that way. So this is, well, anyway, this is why we have these platforms. So go ahead. 
and, and then look, he said Carson's not a bad guy, you know, and mm-hmm. he maybe struggled at times to connect with certain teammates. He walked into a team early in his career that was very heavy on veteran leadership. And then as things, you know, decayed the last couple of years, he didn't handle it well. That's not uncommon for a young quarterback in this league. And it sounds like there were a lot of conflicting agendas going on between management, like wanting the star quarterback to really grow into the face of the franchise and the coach and him not seeing eye to eye. So I think the bottom line was it wasn't a good situation and probably all sides were at fault, Hmm. but I don't think Carson was the lead culprit in why things went poorly in Philly, at least according to what Zach said. Yeah, I agree with that too. Like I I think the last couple weeks, my big takeaway from all of this, so much has been said and there's so much smoke and, and what I have come away with is number one, I don't I don't know what happened, and no one probably knows everything other than those involved. But uh, my big takeaway has been it doesn't matter that much to me because I think when these things start to fall apart the way they did in Philly, when people are getting fired and they're worried about their jobs and the fans are booing, everything goes at that point into self-preservation. Everybody's covering their ass. That's all yeah. it is. And it's almost like no one has any credibility at that point because their goal is one thing. They're trying to save themselves, you know? Right. And I just I just don't think you get a clear picture of what's really happening at those times because people aren't being honest because they're worried about them. So they're you know, I just think that that just really paints a really clouded picture of things. So I, that's why I, that's why I say it doesn't doesn't matter that much to me. I think for Carson this is a great opportunity. I mean, he knows what he has to do. Unless Carson Wentz is a complete, utter fool, and I don't think that he is. He's a smart guy. He knows what he has to do. He has to come in here, and he has to he has to sell these guys on number who he one. Is. He has to earn the respect of the locker room. Yes, that's what Philip Rivers did. And you know what stood out to me when we were talking to Zach was, what's the one thing we never heard through all this? You were just talking about all these leaks and these rumors and teammates and the mess in Philadelphia. We never saw Carson get on Twitter and make this cryptic tweet. We never right. saw him take shots at anybody. He never went on a local radio show and said, I want Peterson out. He never took the low road, right? He took the high road. Right. He stayed quiet. When the trade was done, he, he sent a nice, very diplomatic letter to Philly. Now, maybe that's a small thing, but if it wasn't in that case, if it was the other way around, that would be a really bad way for Colts players to see this guy coming in yeah like oh if it goes bad he's gonna he's gonna throw me under the bus we never saw that and like you said i think the biggest winner in this trade is is not the eagles or the colts it's carson wentz he won it's a better fit for him it's a better scheme for him it's a better coach it's the one he wanted to play for but like you said i think it's i think it's telling that that he is coming here with with the understanding that you're not going to be quote unquote coddled like he perhaps was in Philly. And then like, yeah, I know he wants to play with Frank, but Frank's going to make him earn it. Frank's going to make him earn this and he's going to have to earn the respect of his teammates. And I think we probably took for granted how easily Philip Rivers made it look last year in a pandemic season. It's not easy. And the last three quarterbacks have done that exceptionally well. I would argue in this locker room, Carson will have to do the same thing and there's no blueprint. And there's no roadmap for it. You just got to do it with your work. And that's the first job for him. Before we get to games, he needs to earn the respect of the guys around him. Yeah. I I, I think that Carson is smart enough 
to know because he is a bright guy. Like you know, what I mean, like no, no one's no one's walking around here saying like he doesn't get it. Like no, I think he I think he knows. Like he has eyes and ears. He undoubtedly knows what is being said about him. So I, I think he will understand again, unless he's a complete fool, and I have no indication that he is. Carson Wentz clearly will come in here understanding what's at stake. And what is at stake is his very career, honestly. Yeah. Like, he's going to make a lot of money, you know, in the next couple of years and all that. But beyond that, like, he has nothing guaranteed. And I don't just mean money. I mean in terms of of what he's going to be. It's not guaranteed at all. I mean, we have seen better players than Carson Wentz fall off the face of the earth, right? I mean, you can you can lose it all, you know? And so, I think he has to understand and does probably understand what's at stake. And this year for him... On the field and off the field, he has a chance to rehabilitate everything. But he also has a chance to solidify some things that people already think about him on the field and off the field in in a negative way. So it's a turning point for him. And it's not just like, all right, hey, here's the keys. Go get them. No, he still has he has a lot to prove. And it's going to dictate the way the rest of his career goes. That's in a nutshell what this year is for Carson Wentz. So. No pressure. <laughs> I mean, what did big. you think about what Zach said about physically? Because we mm-hmm. both have watched the tape of him, but Zach's seen every game he's ever played in the NFL, and that that's really the best uh, valuation. A guy that can do a lot. We heard from Frank yesterday. Now, Frank wasn't allowed to speak on Carson Wentz specifically, but we kind of did a pretty good job of tiptoeing around it. Um, I heard RPO. I heard a quarterback who can move. Mm-hmm. They have some plans for this guy. And I think yeah. they're going to really tailor their offense to his skill set. And for the first time in a long time, Frank's going to be able to hopefully have the same guy play the position multiple years in a row. What did you think from what we heard from Frank yesterday? And what can we maybe sort of see in that down the line? Well, first, I'll touch on the physical stuff you mentioned, uh, the the injuries. They're, they are legitimate, right? He has he has been banged up. Uh, there's a little bit of Andrew Luck parallel here. I was very clear in, in what I wrote uh, a few days ago that this is not an Andrew Luck situation in terms there's of there's no torn labrum. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. He's not. He hasn't ever missed 16 games in a season, right? I mean, like that, that hasn't happened. But um, but there has been a little bit of a cumulative, potentially a cumulative effect. Uh, he has taken a lot of hits. I mean, 50 sacks last year. But on the other hand, he took those 50 sacks and he actually got up from every single one of them and showed a lot of toughness, actually. So so I think you can look at it both ways. But uh, but but the other cumulative effect is not just physical, it's also mental. And I think that has affected his game. I think not trusting your protection. You see this on the 2020 film for sure. Like when you're getting hit and you're expecting to get hit it changes the way you play. Now you're skittish, and that affects your technique, your your feet, all of those things, which affects your accuracy. And so it all it's like a toilet bowl. It just keeps swirling. And uh, I, I think you can see that. There's no question about it. But, but I do think, like Andrew Luck, he has to play in a way where, you know, to protect himself as well. You know, he won't get hit certainly as much here. Unless something goes catastrophically wrong with this offensive line, so he doesn't fact he doesn't figure to get hit as much, uh, so he needs to rebuild that confidence in his offensive line, and then on top of that, he needs to play smarter, just like Andrew learned to play smarter. I think under Frank Reich, I, I think there's there's definitely a Frank Reich factor here. There's no doubt about it, and 
as for your question about what Frank Reich said on Thursday, I think it's huge. Uh, you definitely see opportunities where Frank can exp- expand the playbook. There's no question it will expand from last season. You have a totally different quarterback. It doesn't mean Carson Wentz is going to be better than Phillip Rivers. It just means it's going to be very different in a, in a good way. I, I think it, it gives him a bigger menu, and he'll need that. And I think that, that allows him, him being Frank, it allows Frank Reich to maybe get more out of Carson Wentz because he has such a bit a bigger menu of things that he can go to. So I love it. I, I love the idea of, you know, naked bootlegs and, you know, RPOs and um, the Carson Wentz as uh, a design runner too is re- is really good. He can he can run on design runs. I mean, they can do a lot. So um, I like the potential there. I really think that is going to be a positive for the Colts. Um, they lose a lot without Phillip Rivers, but they do gain some other things here that help make those losses, I think, a bit more um, – they're, they're lessened by that, I guess. I think, one, I think the Colts are fired up about this. I think they're they excited about the potential with this quarterback and the talent that is there that you wrote about in your film review this week. And I think this was a really interesting point that Zach made. You know, let's let's throw out the outliers, right? Let's throw out 2017 where he was an MVP candidate. Let's throw out 2020 where he was as bad as he's ever been. Mm-hmm. If he's somewhere in the middle, and this is really important for the Colts, that's that's fine. Like, that's where they need. Like, they're not going to get a top five quarterback in the NFL maybe, but if they can get eight to 12, that's, that's great. That's probably an upgrade from where Rivers was last year. Now, Rivers was terrific in so many elements of the game, like you said, but if Wentz can compensate in other areas, moving the chains with his feet, et cetera, extending plays like Rivers could not, that changes things. That puts more pressure on the defense. So if you can get a guy that's going to be really happy to hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor, he's got Michael Pittman Jr. I think T.Y., I think he comes back based on what Frank said yesterday Mm -hmm. and based on the fact that there's a value in keeping a veteran receiver. And, And I said this, I think, on JMV the other day, but like, one of my first days in the Colts locker room was 2012, and it's not the same situation, but Andrew Luck was a rookie, and Reggie Wayne's sitting there in his big leather chair, and he's saying, throw me the ball, Drew. And that's all Luck did in 2012. He threw it to Reggie, and Reggie caught everything. And they won 11 games, and that was a huge part of it. So having a veteran guy like T.Y. as a holdover would really make the bridge from Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz a little bit smoother, I think, in my position. So, yeah. And we know, we know T.Y. can still play. So there's value in that. And the, the number one thing is the line, right? He was sacked 50 times in 13 games last year. The Colts gave up 21 sacks in 16 games. And that's even inflated because they gave up five and that loss to Pittsburgh without Costanzo, remember? And they were moving guys around. Right. It really got out of hand. So let's say more likely they were giving up, you know, 12 to 13 sacks. They're number two in the league over the last three years in sacks allowed. And that's the good end, right? The second fewest over the last three years. Got to fill the hole at left tackle. But going back to what you wrote about and what we've talked about, so many different variables that impact how a quarterback sees the game and plays with confidence are going to be in his favor this year with the Colts. We'll see what he can do with it. But I'm ready, man, I'm ready to go. If training camp started tomorrow, I'm excited to see Carson Wentz out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what's going to make this fun. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's going to be interesting because we don't know what we're going to see. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. It, and it's kind of like last season, even though COVID made it a little bit of a funky situation. But I was very eager on the first day of training camp to see what is this going to look like, you know? Um, I think it's much the same thing this year. So I have no idea what he's going to look like, how he's going to play. But 
I all I can tell you is uh, the Colts are going to be interesting in 2021. So we got that going for us. So that's good. <laughs> that's good for business, by the way, for us, if you're in our business. So I'll take it. Um, hey, so I'm glad we had a chance to do this. Like I said, Zach Berman does an awesome job. Him and Bo Wolf up there uh, in Philly and, and Shio Kapadia as well. So if you're a subscriber to The Athletic and uh, you're interested in the NFL, uh, read the Eagles coverage. It's excellent. Absolutely excellent. So check it out. Uh, and of course, keep an eye on what we've got. So uh, thanks for listening. We've got lots of coverage, you know, continuing. Uh, we're, we're sort of building toward free agency here. So that's going to be our focus here in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that coverage. And uh, as you know, we'll go from there. Who knows where it'll take us. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. And this is one percent.